Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Watkins-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. Welcome, welcome to another exciting episode of The Entrepreneurial You podcast. You know I am your host, Henneka Watkins-Porter. And today we're so honored to have someone who is the definitive voice in millennial finance. But of course, before we do that, before we start that conversation, we want to take a moment to hear from our valued partners at the Jamaica Stock Exchange. We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Welcome back. Welcome back. My guest today as I mentioned before, is the definitive voice in millennial finance, specializing in strategies for beating today's tough economic challenges. She's the author of an award-winning, best-selling new book, The Five-Day Job Search, which helps young professionals get out of student loan debt while finding the ideal job. With over one million views on YouTube, Her witty approach to tough talk sets her apart from the rest. Her candid style cuts through the noise, delivering foolproof advice for real-world challenges. Far from generic tips, her tips focus on practical steps to quickly improve finances, especially for challenges unique to millennials. So let's make welcome... Annie Margarita Yang. Welcome, welcome, Annie. Henneka, thanks for having me on today. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you. You are such a gem. Now, if you could give your younger self one piece of financial advice, what would it be and why? Wow. If I could go back and give my younger self financial advice, it would be to not believe people who tell me that I'm not capable of making more money. Because when I was in high school, I had a guidance counselor who told me that I would always be a failure for the rest of my life if I didn't go straight to college and also told me that I would never make more than a McDonald's worker. So if I could go back, I would say, Annie, you can make any any amount of money that you set your heart on. Wow, 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 wow. I mean, just look at you now, right? Just look at you now is what, is what of course, your life is now saying. So let's talk. Uh, start off with your book. Let's start off with your book, The Five-Day Job Search. Clearly, it has been 
a game changer for many. So if you must share a little success story from a reader who you think implemented your strategies and experienced significant breakthrough, do you have any testimonials of the book thus far that could, you know, um, position even more what we're saying about you today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I wrote this book. I gave some free copies away to people that I knew. And then... One of my friends, Michelle, she had another friend of hers that was just laid off back in May. And then she recommended to him to read my book. He picked up the book right away the same day. And then he like just scoured through it. And then he was like, oh, my gosh, I need to contact Annie and, and ask her for her help. So while he didn't like implement straight from only reading the book, he ended up reaching out to me for help one on one. And then I coached him through it. It took us, I'll, I'll be very honest, a whole month to get him set up because we, I had to write the resume for him and, and spruce up his LinkedIn profile, the whole works. And then um, once he started applying for jobs though, so like you don't start the, you know, the countdown until you actually start applying to that first job. Um, he applied for only two weeks straight. Um, and within two weeks, he had an offer. He had an offer lined up, which he took. Wow. Well, congratulations. Good on you. Good on him. Now, I want to know, take us back to what you said in the icebreaker question, your response to the icebreaker question. Isn't it interesting how, you know, teachers or people in positions of influence, how it is what they say can either make or break, because even if it is that what they're saying is negative, it can push you either way. It can push you to do well, or it can push you into uh, despair, but you chose to do well. Just talk to us about that, you know, framework of the the conversations that people of influence leaders would, would, would have with those whom they lead. Yeah, I don't, I really don't understand why they do this, right? Like, I've actually been on about 90 podcast shows right now. And I've told this story many times to the hosts who ask on air. And then I've, I've just come to realize from their responses that, you know, there are some people in this world who can only see you for what you are right now. And they simply cannot fathom or see your potential. I've just come to accept that because like, who is someone else in this world to tell you what you are and are not capable of? Like that is up to God, right? Is this person trying to play God and dictate what your fate is? I've just come to realize they cannot see beyond their own nose. They cannot see beyond what is the physical reality of today and realize that you chart your own course in life. Like you can do anything you're capable of change. I mean, you're not a tree, right? You're not stuck in the ground where you are. You, you have legs, you can walk right? You can make something of yourself. That's, that's what I think. And these people, these teachers, guidance counselors, leaders of influence, some of them, I mean, that's really a reflection of their worldview and not mm -hmm. of your actual life. And, the, and so they want to impose it on you. You know what is interesting though, Annie, you made a comment that I literally just heard on another podcast that I was listening to. And is that you're not a tree, you know, you're not planted like that. You can be uprooted. You can do go wherever you want to go, be whatever you want to be. And I think that, that that is a point that is not missed on me either, even as I'm hearing that for the second time today and in such short succession. And so it's, it's, it's not a coincidence. And I really applaud you for sharing with me, with us, with our listeners thus far. 
and you know your experience because many of us you know and in many of us we go through life uh with not the most solid of a foundation you know lies were told to us and so we've got to recognize that recognize them for what they are and, and were that they were lies they're not you're not the truth they're not what God says about us. They're not what we should be saying about us, you know? And so let's talk a little bit about having a positive self-image because clearly uh, it, it, it takes having a positive self-image to defy words. They say words, you know, sticks and stones would break your bone, but words will never hurt. That's couldn't be further from the truth. So let's talk about having a positive self-image and how that impact your um, the work that you're doing right now. That impacted everything. Back when nobody believed in me, back when I was telling people, you know, I'm not going to go straight to college because it just doesn't make sense to take on all the student loan debt and come out unemployed or underpaid. This was back in 2012 when I was reading the news about it. And so I was telling everyone like this financially, logically, mathematically, it just does, it doesn't line up. It doesn't make any sense. And people dropped me from their life. I had no friends, no support, nothing. And the only person who believed in me, not even my parents, it was me. It was me. And I still remember going um, to my work. Uh, it was a cashiering job at ShopRite, which is a grocery store chain. I had to walk through a cemetery to get to that uh, job every day. And I was screaming at the top of my lungs when nobody was like walking by um, God's wealth is like working through me. I am abundant. I can make any amount of money that I want. And it was just, it was absolutely ridiculous. But I, I heard this from Tony Robbins and he said, you got to do this every day until it plants in you. And you have to do it with such gusto and energy because it is energy that moves things, right? So I was saying it at the top of my lungs. It was crazy, right? My mom was like, what are you doing? <laughs> but like I, I would try anything and I really think these um affirmations they when when you do it with the right energy and at least with the right way of doing it it can really change your life it can change the trajectory of your life absolutely and again it's so in sync with a podcast I mean I had a guest on um, David Gomez, and he has a podcast, uh, the David Gomez Inspire Show. And I've been just talking up a lot, um, you know, of his teaching as well. And it, it's just along the similar vein. And it's not like for me, this is something new, you know, you know, the, the affirmation and positivity and all of that. But I think entering to, into this new season, I'm having to replace some of those things, some of those beliefs that, that are lodged within my self-conscious. Because the truth is, in my mind, in my conscious mind, I am a very positive person. In my conscious mind, I can do all these things. But subconsciously, there are lots of things that are lodged there. And, you know, what I also learned recently is that 10% of what we do, uh, you know, the actions we take, the things we think, you know, it, it really is based on our conscious. The other 90% is what's already lodged in our subconscious mind and we're just going by rote and you know um the, retic the reticular activating system well let, let's not digress but it, it's just interesting to have this conversation with you annie um because yeah i'm so super fired up right now really really fired up but let's let's kind of veer back and i want to 
to preface my next question by saying that millennials do face unique financial challenges. And so if you are able to give me three practical steps for, for millennials to quickly improve their finances, then I'll be happy. I'll be a happy camper. I'll be a happy podcast host. Go right ahead. <laughs> the first thing I think any millennial who's struggling right now, broke, living paycheck to paycheck, you have to understand millennials are not like 20 years old anymore. Millennials, like I was born at the tail end of millennial. I was born in 1995. So millennials are anywhere from like 28 years old to probably about 43 years old at this point in their life. Right. Um, and I hate to say it, but people say side hustle. It could be side hustle. It could be part time job in addition to your full time job, whatever it is. My my main mindset when it comes to this is nine to five full time job. I work to pay my bills, but from 5 p.m. to 9 a.m. work to build my fortune. A nine to five job, full time job was never meant to build your wealth. It was meant to just get you the bare minimum in life, just to get by and pay your bills. Right. That's just the bare minimum. That's how I think of it. And any additional work you do on top of that, on the side to make money, that's what will build your wealth. So take that additional money and use that to pay off your debts quickly. Use that to build your emergency fund. Um, once you've done both of those things, use that to invest for your future. Right. The second thing that I recommend is you have to get on a budget. I think a lot of people, they're, they're not even like, aware of their finances. So many people I try to help, they don't even open up their bank statements, their credit card statements. They don't even take a look. They just let it sit in a stack somewhere. And if you don't become aware, then you're never going to get ahead, right? So you have to actually open up those statements. Take a look. How much money are you spending exactly? Really? Did I really just spend $30 on that thing that I don't even use anymore, right? Like, think about it. And, and get on a budget and cut out all the unnecessary fat. And then the third thing I think is, this is the last thing. It's really about setting it up all on autopilot. So once you're really clear about how much money you bring in and how much money you spend, then, you know, set up a system where I guess at minimum 10%. People always advise 10%. I'm like 10% is the bare minimum <laughs> of like set aside that to automatically transfer into your savings out of every single paycheck that you get. And then um, also set up a system where you are able to pay off your credit card bills in full every single month, right? I'm not going to say like, don't use a credit card ever, but uh, set up a way where if you follow a budget, you're guaranteed to have money left over at the end of the month to just pay your bill in full. And then uh, you don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so important to make good financial decisions. You know, something I did this morning and I'm proud of myself because, you know, and I think it was for a reason too. So I've been trying to order uh, my a new MacBook Pro, uh, Pro on Apple since a um, couple of days now, right? So my, my computer fell a couple of weeks ago. The screen broke. I've been using two backup computers that don't make one. Um, and so I wanted to order this computer. I've been encountering no ends of challenges, right? I was going to ship it to uh, in the US for somebody to take it down for me because to avoid the duties and stuff in Jamaica, right? And mm -hmm. then I realized because apparently Jamaica is being blacklisted for some things in, in some areas. So I was, because my billing address is is uh, that is linked to my card is Jamaican, I could not purchase the computer. 
And you know, it 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 it, it delayed me long enough to figure out. You know what? I really did not need to uh, purchase a new computer. What I needed was to go and find um get the computers that i have repaired in fact i have three computers that i'm working with so and i went and i brought two of them to be repaired you know upgrade the memory because it was moving very slow and looked at the screen and stuff and so i was about to spend like 200 and almost sixty thousand jamaican dollars uh, on a new computer when all i needed was sixteen thousand five hundred dollars to fix the ones that i had two of the ones that i had and they are no you know, and they're back in good working condition, which can give me another few years. And that money that I was about to use to buy computer can be invested, can do some other thing, you know, some other investment that will be meaningful. So it's, it's all about being smart and savvy. And yes, I am not a millennial. I kind of miss that millennial <laughs> thing by about two or a year or so, you know what I mean? But um, so I'm on that border right there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I like what you did there with your computer repair because a lot of people they they are just gonna go and buy a new laptop or something and it just doesn't make any financial sense. Right. So you thought about it and you were resourceful enough to think, okay, what are other potential solutions that are affordable and work within my budget? Yeah. And and one of the things I had to ask myself, Annie, is why do I need this computer? Why do I need this new MacBook Pro? Pro? I had to be real with myself. I was about to ask you that too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the reason I needed it was more for my ego because I have an iPhone and I thought, you know, once you have a Mac, you don't go back. You want to make sure you have a, you know, so in this instant, and not that anything is wrong with buying a new computer because it's what pays my bill. It does the work and stuff. But in the scheme of things, when there are other plans that I have coming up where I'm, I'm going to need finances, it did not make sense. And it took me a delay in, and it's God's way of, speaking to me because it took all that delay in my trying to get through and I was trying to find a way around it and all of that. And you know what? Let me just rest because the real reason I needed this computer was not necessarily because I want the computer to work, which I do, but it was more so about, you know, feeding a part of the in-group, you know, maintaining that status quo. Like, yes, I have I have a new MacBook Pro kind of vibe. <laughs> mm. I love that you're able to admit it because you know, a, a Windows computer would have done just fine for right. whatever you needed, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of those. I mean, I kind of, you know, I did a self-check, a live self-check on air. But let's talk about some of those other, um, you know, things that get in the way of millennials making good financial decisions. What are some of those, um, you know, maybe self-image or perception or whatever it is that is preventing them from making good financial decisions. Oh, yeah. I've been watching YouTube videos lately about other people making stupid financial mistakes. And one of the things that just keep coming up over and over again is the car payment. People apparently like to show off um, their wealth. It's not real wealth, you know, uh, via what car they drive. How new is it? What make what model? Um, but the honest truth is a lot of these folks, they have car payments over $700 a month. So let's say a $700 a month U.S. dollar um, car payment along with $250 in car insurance. And then let's add on the gas that you have to pay. I mean, these folks are paying at least $1,200 a month just for their their car. I think this is something that millennials need to think about. 
right? Like I, I drive a, a Honda Civic and we paid $21,000 for it. And I, apparently other people upgrade their cars more often, but I got mine in 2017. So at this point in my life, the car is like six years old, right? And about 50,000 miles. If I can get 200,000 miles out of this thing, I think I can own the car based on the last six years. I could own this car 24 years in total if I keep driving the same mileage. Like that that's 24 years without a car payment, right? Versus someone else with a car payment. Imagine they had to pay $700 a month for the next 24 years. That's a real difference in wealth right there. Absolutely, absolutely. And so it's about, you know, um, ignoring the noise. But how does one, especially when you're all about, you know, we're in a society that's all about the hype and stuff, how does one really ignore the noise and to get and re get really, really focused on what it is that they need to accomplish in life? Yeah, that's right. I think the main thing is really whatever the masses are doing and you you really wonder like how do they afford it it's most likely all either debt or it's their parents money is funding it so if you kind of just like step back and realize hey i don't want to be you know financially broke for the rest of my life let me just do the opposite of what everyone else is doing if you have that kind of courage then you're on the path to financial freedom I'll be very honest, I make more money than I think 90% of people. And I still look at other people, I'm like, how did they afford that Gucci bag? What? How do they afford that new car? And then, because like, I look at my own finances and I'm just like, this doesn't work. How do they manage to send their kids to, to college for 40 grand a year? I don't understand how they managed to do it. And then I, I eventually came to realize it was all just debt. That was the difference. It was all just debt. They pay for it, actually, not right now. They pay for it with their future income. Wow. They pay for it with their future income. Oh, my gosh. Let's talk a little bit about uh, good debt versus bad debt. Some of those debt that you need to be incurring, you know. Um, you're a millennial. You have your, you feel you have your, a whole lifetime ahead of you, right? Uh, what are some of those considerations in terms of good debt versus bad debt that um, should be paid attention to? Oh, it, it really depends on the individual uh, situation and circumstance. Like, you know, you'll see over and over again, like, oh, a mortgage is good debt. I mean, no, it kind of like really depends. How much did you buy the house for? How much is the mortgage? How much is the interest rate? And in terms of the mortgage payment, how much is this as a percentage of your income? Right? Like my, my housing cost makes up not even 20% of my income. So when I bought my house, it was like, well, this is a great deal because it's not even 20% of my income. If I lost my job or my husband also didn't have income, we could still pay our bills and still keep our house and we'll be just fine for several months, right? Um, versus other people, uh, this was during the pandemic. I saw other people making less money than me, but bought more house than me. And I was just like, isn't this just a financial disaster about to happen? And it is. People are getting foreclosed on right now. <laughs> now that student loans are due here in the United States. So it's really like squeezing the middle class and people are going to lose their homes. So the, whether a, a debt is good or bad, it depends on your own circumstance. Like if it's a mortgage, 
right? Did you make a decision in terms of what house you bought and how much you borrowed? That depends because someone else who made less but borrowed more, that's bad debt in my opinion. Mine, I would say is good debt because I'd either have to pay the mortgage or I'd have to pay rent. And my mortgage was less than the rent that I was paying before I got the house. So I'm actually saving a lot of money. And then there's like student loans as well here in the US. A lot of people make the assumption that if you have a student loan debt, must be good debt because you're investing in your future. The more money, they, they have this mindset. This, this is the mindset I've come to realize. The more you spend on your education, then the more competitive you must be in a job marketplace when you come out. It's, it's a, I question this mindset, right? Because if you were really to think like an investor, an investor wants to buy low and sell high. So an investor would actually think like, how can I get a really good education and pay as little money as possible for it and come out and make the most money possible? But that's not how people think. They, they think like, oh, if I spend 40 grand a year, 50 grand a year on an education times that by four years, I must come out making more money. And that's just not the case. Well, well said, Annie, well said. Let's take the last few moments here to just wrap up by sharing some pointers to our audience listening right now and think, oh my gosh, I've made so many financial mistakes and missteps. How do I know how to correct this? Uh, what do I need to do? What was the first thing I need to be thinking about in order to chart my uh, a, a way forward that is positive? Oh, yeah. I think the first way your way out is I've come to realize this isn't a math problem. This is a mindset problem. It's an emotional, psychological problem in regards to money. And it's the first really think about what is it? What is the life that you want? What do you actually want? Do you want a house just because everyone else has a house? Do you want a car just because you saw your neighbor bought a new car? Like, like, really think if you lived in a vacuum away from everyone else, what is it that you yourself actually want and hold that, hold that deeply in your heart, write it down on a piece of paper, hang it on your wall as a reminder before you even start thinking about what you do with your finances. Once you're clear about what you want and the kind of goals that you're working toward and you don't care what people think about those goals of yours, then you can come up with a plan to pay off your debt in full. You can you can you have two options to pay off your debts quickly. You have the snowball method. You can Google that the snowball method or the avalanche method. Both of them work. So it's just a matter of like following what I told you, right? Like get a side hustle or second part time job and use all of that money to pay off the debt using a snowball or avalanche method. And then after you pay those debts off, then you can build your emergency fund after you funded your emergency fund for, I don't know, six months, a year's worth of expenses, then invest, invest, invest that money for your future. Grow that money. All right. Excellent, excellent piece of advice right now coming from Annie Margarita Young. Such, oh, by the way, before I just do my close off, before I do my close off, where can our listeners reach you, Annie, to talk more with you? The best way to reach me is by visiting www.annieyangfinancial.com. That's A-N-N-I-E-Y-A-N-G-Financial.com. And 
I also have the audiobook for the five-day job search. It's free. So if you go on AnnieYangFinancial.com and at the very top of the website, you're going to see this link. It says audiobook. Just click on that, put in your name, your email address, and you can download the five-hour audiobook. Excellent. Awesome sauce. Thank you so much, Annie Margarita Yang, for sharing your invaluable insights on mastering millennial finances. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And to my amazing peak performance community, please do stay tuned for more inspiring stories on the Entrepreneurial You podcast. Until next time, this is Henneke Watkins for just signing off. Of course, stay inspired. Keep refining your skills and as I say, just tune into more episodes to nurture that entrepreneurial spirit of yours, to nurture, even if you're not an entrepreneur, to nurture the entrepreneur uh, within you. And remember, as I've been saying a while back, that your journey to success is uniquely yours. So you want to, while you get inspiration from the guests that I bring here, while you get inspiration from others, also know that it's important to understand what it is that you should be doing specifically and you, you know, you tweak that, right? And you, while well, you get inspiration from others. So for more information and content, visit hennikawatkisporter.com. You'll find the show notes there, links to um, today's episode, other, you know, other things that relate to today's episode, as well as you can find other episodes as well. Have over 340 odd episodes there now. So go right ahead and find something that will strike your fancy. Please connect with me on social media. I'm active as Henika Watkiss Porter. And finally, I ask you to affirm with me. My financial journey is vital to my entrepreneurial story. I will keep building my economic prowess as I forge a path to entrepreneurial success. Do what good. <laughs>